I'm very uh, thankful for uh, a second opportunity to um, speak here. It's almost exactly 10 years ago that I spoke here too. It was about roughly about the first 10 years of my pastoral ministry. Reflecting on it, some of the things that I talked about was expect conflict, prayerfully, prayerfully prepare for it and deal with it. Talked about other things about to be sure to have your personal devotions. Go to your Bible, not just to teach and preach, but also to be devoted to the Lord, to your family, to your church. Be genuine. Genuine before God and each other and your family, your congregation. Another thing that I remember talking about is that busyness busyness was not always with the things that were my business. To pray for wisdom to discern and to not be so distracted by non-assigned or non-essential things. And also about the how and the why, not just the what. We preach and teach our motives. But more recently, some other things, in my second ten years, so to speak, other things have come to my mind, which I would really want to share with you. It's been on my heart. It was something that I knew all along, but slow to apply, maybe even reluctant. To put that into practice, and it wasn't until I came to be a pastor in Harrison, Arkansas, where it was a small church, a lot of kids. I think about half of them were under 20. So, and they had no nursery. They didn't think that that was a good idea. So they had everyone in church. Some of you have preached there, you know it. You have to pause sometimes. All kinds of noises. And of course the mothers will take the child out to feed and take care of them and fathers would take the older children out to discipline them when they, when they were disruptive and so forth or noisy. But that was not just the main thing, that noise. One of the main things was that I saw them. I knew there were children in church. But in this big church here in the Rapids, I, I saw just a large group of people. I, I didn't see the children. Until I um, really was a pastor in, in, in Harrison. So it's a, it's a regret that I have. And something I want to share with you, for you, if when you are at the beginning of your ministry, for the instructors as you teach, let the children be consciously part of your audience. That's why my theme is worship the Lord as his little children. 
That's why I wanted to read Mark 10 and Psalm 78. It's a very familiar passage. I don't need to say much. This is not really like a sermon. It's more like a message that's on my heart. We're all familiar with it. Yet its message is often ignored or forgotten. I just want you to think about it. Just imagine now, if the Lord Jesus had said, children, or child, unless you be like one of these big people, these adults, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I don't need to explain. It's a rhetorical question. And yet, even though I knew it, I did not preach accordingly. Of course, I didn't preach literally that phrase. But I often gave the children the impression, by not addressing them, that they didn't really belong to the congregation. Give them the impression that that the gospel and and, and the teaching was for adults only. You know, Jesus not only welcomed the children, but he also, in addition, taught them and us to be like them and to live like them in order to enter the kingdom. It's not just for the children. It's for us adults also. That we too only can enter this kingdom of God as little child. I find it so striking. I checked in John's first letter. You know how many times he says little children? Seven times. Does he talk to children? Write to children? No. To adults. And he calls them little children. That's also why I wanted to sing that that psalm. Psalm 78. Little children... Because no matter how advanced we are in knowledge and understanding of the gospel, compared to our children, compared to Jesus, we are lagging behind when the Lord Jesus looks upon us. How much difference does he really see between us and our children? It's like an ant walking through grass. Tall grass blades, but we looking down upon them, we don't see much difference in height. And in Psalm 78, you know that I'm sure the emphasis is not only of sharing the word of God with our children and not hiding it from them, but to live it with them and like them. Telling us that. God welcomes us and our children to bring our children to Jesus and through him to God when we confess our sins and trust in his son. So prior to going to PITS, which is uh, 25 years ago, Dr. Bilkus, Dr. Bicky, 25 years ago, it seems strange but before that and I'm sharing that 
because I want to emphasize a point. Before I went to seminary in 1997, I was in Christian schools, three different Christian schools, teaching for 23 years. The last 12 years as a principal of a Christian school. You'd think I'd be well prepared to do pastoral ministry to adults and children. Not only as a teacher, but also as a father of nine. The obvious lesson, and my regret is that I was so slow to learn that we are to worship with our children our covenant-keeping God. Not only with our children, but as his children. Why was I so slow to learn to speak to the children? And on top of that, my dear wife, Elena, faithfully, repeatedly, even here in Grand Rapids, before I went to Arkansas, reminded me many times, Papa, do you remember, do you think about all these children in the church? There's maybe 25, 30% or more under the age of 20. So she kept telling me. Speak to them at least a couple times. Each sermon. I did on and off. And then she would add something, of course. Don't we believe as a reformed church our children should attend the worship services? Of course, that, that sealed it. But that means that we should address them. Not to dumb down our sermons to that level. That, that's not the point. That's against scripture, against reason. The Bible says, train up a child in a way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's a training, it's a teaching, it's a guiding. And to come alongside the parents, not to take their place, but to assist the parents in raising the children and teaching them how to worship. Come alongside, feeding them milk as well as meat. The bread of life and the water of life in all simplicity. So this means that we need to prayerfully search the word of God, not only for our children, but with them. And in in an amazing way, this is closely connected to my increasing appreciation of the Reformed doctrines, experiential doctrines. How to live the Christian life. So don't take it for granted. Students, faculty, treasure it. Especially the fact that God is a covenant-keeping God, and our covenant-keeping God includes children. And wants us to be like children. Having been in Arkansas, a northern Arkansas non-reformed community... A church plant that many said will not last, but by the grace of God, it still does today. And the church has grown to a little over 100 people. 
non-reformed, non-Dutch. <laughs> that was another lesson for me. Various backgrounds. Some people came from strange sects. Through that, I've received a renewed appreciation of preaching the catechism, for example, teaching the other confessions. And the people were ready and eager to learn. I want to just say one anecdote about a family that began to attend our church. After hearing me speak on local radio, I did a weekly gospel minute on Cool 99.6. It was a gospel uh, no, a classic rock station. Anyway, this man was driving through town. No idea that there was a Reformed church in town. But he already knew something about the Reformed faith. He already bought books at RHB. And um, so he was listening to the radio, and typically what kind of music he listened to. Um, then he, really, he called me and he showed up at church the next Sunday with his wife and a couple of children. And there was a sight. Tall guy, bald head, big beard, both he and his wife covered with tattoos. Anyway, they kept coming in and became members. And he especially loved the catechism preaching. And he diligently taught his wife and children. So much so that he bought another book, or I think it's a two-volume set, Theodorus van der Groen. And he would read that, study it, and talk with his children about it prior to coming to church and see what van der Zwaar would say about it. So that's, so that's interesting. That is a focus on the simplicity of the gospel and exactly also the, the, the basics of the faith. And then the most beautiful part of that is when, because they were from a secular family, when his niece was about to have an abortion, a baby she didn't want, this couple offered to adopt the child. And when the child was born, and was a boy, they named him Theodore, <laughs> after Theodorus van der Groen. I'm sure you like that. That's, that is something... That was just something, a renewed appreciation for the Reformed faith, the doctrines, the clarity, the simplicity. Preach not just to adults, but also to children. And I just want to just name a few reasons, benefits, just some bullet points. And then also some uh, ways to do that. I just have them listed just the way it came. It's not an... In, in order of importance or necessarily. Teach the children how to worship the Lord, their covenant God, from early youth. Watching adults do that and increasingly participating in it. That's something that, um, that I, I saw happen. In a smaller congregation, of course, you see more individuals than in a large one. And that relates to the next thing, is that don't underestimate the ability of little children to listen and pay attention and absorb more than you think. You know that when you talk with your children about the sermons and if they know you're going to ask questions, they have some answers. 
particularly when you address them. The basic of the gospel, to confess the sin, what that means, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means, not only to become a believer, but to live as one, as parents and children together coming before God. It's another bullet point, to assist parents. Believing parents want the children to know the Lord and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And of course, the children have to listen. They should listen. And they do. They're expected to. But you know how it draws their attention. And the parents' attention. And everyone's attention. When you once in a while say, children, or young people, or boys and girls, I've learned to increasingly do that. Still not, I think, enough. But it's hard to find a good balance there. But you know when you say that, everybody is looking up. Everybody is paying attention. So when you talk to children, you actually have a better attention of adults as well. And you wake up the occasional sleeper as well. It's often a literal wake-up call. I've seen it many times happen. So children will then be taught to know, they know it, hopefully, but to experience it also that they're included in the church as baptized members. They are the church too. As such, they are the people of God. And as the people of God, not everyone, we know that from the Old Testament and the New Testament, not everyone will enter into the promised land. Address them as children, so they know they're included as baptized members, and in preparation also to become confessing members. So not only to hear the word of God, but bring them in the powerful presence of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And then eventually also by observation, having a growing desire to be partake, partaking of the communion as well. So the Word of God makes this <clears throat> abundantly clear that the children are to be included. In the Old Testament we have many examples a couple one is about children who are taught to ask, why? Why is this? Why do we do this? Passover, the pile of stones in the Jordan River. They're present at the dedication of the tabernacle and the temple. Time of Reformation, Josiah, Second Chronicles 34. When they found the book of the law in the house of God. What an amazing story. To say something like that, when you preach that, children, isn't that amazing? That somebody would come into church and, hey, I found a Bible. Of course. And then we read that um, he read it to all the people. The priests, the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. All of them were included. Ezra 10, dedication of the new temple. A large congregation of men, women, and children weeping together for their sins. Joel 2, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, a solemn assembly, gather the people, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts. I'm not advocating for no nursery for children under two, but that's, that's how they felt about it in Harrison, Arkansas, that they worship as a family. 
Old Testament, New Testament, feeding of the 5,000, not counting the women and the children. And after all, it was a boy who had these loaves and fishes. A lad, a boy. Peter, Pentecost, their promise to you and to your children, and so forth. On and on it goes. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, to be read in the churches, he addresses children. Obey your parents. Why would they say, why would he write that if he would assume the children be not there? And in Colossians, Paul adds, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So ultimately to see what God can and does do when children are hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And maybe quicker by children than by adults. Children trust. Children are teachable. We lose that trait as we grow older. So if it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament taught and practiced, how much more even today with the influence of the world, technology, internet, all that, to remind them and all of us what's the essence and the heart of the essence and the heart of the gospel. Not only for children, but also for adults to be like a child not just to trust as a fruit of humility but also to be and continue to be teachable so often we think we know it we know it all we don't say that but somehow we think that to be teachable so not only to include children Young people are not preaching, but to become and remain like a little child in the worship of God. Not just the worship service gathering, but the worship service a lifetime. Some ways to do this. Illustrations. Use illustrations. Taken from daily life, but also and especially the history of the Bible. The Bible stories, familiar Bible stories, unfamiliar Bible stories. I say, children, you remember Joseph? So about stories from daily life, but also in particular, I think, for Bible stories. I think it's not for nothing that the Lord has given us his word as a history. His story. To can, so that we can identify. It's not just about them then. It's about us now. Us and our children. So use illustrations. Another is define terms. When you have a word that is difficult, not just for children, there's quite a few older people too, less educated people, that would benefit 
define terms, explain difficult words, or rephrase them, use synonyms. Tell the children to write them down. Or little ones who draw a picture about it. And then say, maybe you can talk about it after church with your mom and dad, what it, what it means. So mom and dad listening too. See if the children do so, and if they don't. Didn't the minister say something that you should ask about? Define terms. Another thing is pray. Pray for the children, not only during the worship service, but also in your study. Pray and plan. Have certain spots in your sermon notes. Write children. And then think of a way to connect it. Just a few times here and there. Plan and pray. Consciously keeping the children in the back of your mind. Or maybe in the front. Another way is to summarize or restate the main thought before you move on to the next. It's one of the things my wife keeps reminding me of. And do it in simple terms before you move on to the next one. Can be a wake-up call to oh, next point. All right, this was this. Now we go on to that. In addition to making statements, ask questions. Ask questions that children could also possibly answer. Doctrinal questions, historical questions, rhetorical questions that everybody knows you don't need to answer because it's so clear to engage both young and old because everyone is engaged at such a time and then another one and I'm sure there's more that you could think of but uh, to include at least one familiar psalter in, in your singing of that morning or evening worship somehow get in touch with the local Christian school and, and perhaps there is a Psalter of the Week that they all learn. Be nice to sing that next Sunday. We did that actually in Jordan for several years when I was a principal there. And you could hear that when the children's voices did come loud and clear. It was, was something that, that that's, connects the children to the worship service. And there may be many other ways too. So that what I'm saying here doesn't mean that we should not grow up from, from using milk to meat and so forth. But what is it really to grow up in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus? It's to be like him in knowing him and also acting like him. In Matthew 18, they asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus puts again a child in the midst and said, Verily I say to you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. That should be on our wall in our study, I think. And then he adds this solemn warning. 
which we also saw from Psalm 78. But who shall offend one of these little ones? Offend, cause to stumble in the way toward faith or in the way of faith. Anyone who causes a child to stumble, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he would drown in the depths of the sea. So in other words, you want to be great? Be like a child. The disciples were slow learners, just like us. Even in John 13, the very night in which Jesus was betrayed, they were arguing about who was the greatest. What Jesus is saying there, you want to be great? Wash feet. Be humble. And then he concludes in John 13 verse 17, that particular history, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So it's one thing now to know that. It's quite another to do it. Want to be strong? Be weak. Jesus said to Paul, my strength be perfect. Made perfect in weakness. So growing up is like coming down. Come alongside the children and give children a place in your thoughts, your prayers, and your sermons. This is on my heart. Been on a long time, and I'm kind of at the end looking back. Many of you are still at the beginning. Please remember it. Instructors, too, please put it in the hearts and minds of the students and practice it. Just want to. Close with the words from Philippians 2, walking alongside children, congregation, Philippians 2, 1 through 5. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of, and mercies fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to reflect upon such an important aspect of ministry, so often overlooked. Especially, Lord, when we are busy in theology and doctrines and academic pursuits. Help us not to lose sight of this simplicity of the gospel. And also to be checked in our own growth. Thinking we have arrived while we yet have so much to learn. Even the most advanced among us has only a beginning of that Christ-like obedience. Lord, remember every instructor, every student, every staff member, remember our seminary, the various denominations represented here. We thank you, Lord, also for bringing to conclusion the ministry of Hank, uh, Mr. Klein, and um, from Dodeward and Salazar, bless them and 
we thank thee for them that they've been um, able to serve at our seminary. For those who continue to serve, we pray for Dr. Barrett too, Lord, that he may heal and soon return. Bless us now, Lord. Forgive us all our sins and shortcomings in speaking and listening. And go with us the rest of this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.